Hey sexy, welcome to the gloat, the greatest lover of all time. I'm Alpha Mama, erotic evangelist, poet, preacher, and protagonist in my own epic life. I'm here to spread the gospel of self-love and liberation. I want you to stay horny for life, to live life like you fucking mean it. Welcome to church, bitch, where the sermon always hits and the vibe is lit. Okay, okay, okay. I am going to welcome the chaos for this first episode. I'm in the energy of fuck it, fuck perfection, fuck getting it right. Really, I know that I'm here to bring my essence, my energy, and to bring my love to the world. So thank you for being here. I fucking love you. This episode is going to be all about me because, hey, I'm the greatest lover of all time. Well, really, I want to share with you my origin story. Where did I come from and how did I get here? I was born in Sydney, Australia in 1983. My mom wanted to call me Rebecca. Thankfully, my dad stepped in and named me Anita. And I love my name. When I stepped into my artistry and when I made my first album after I had my son, my son is River, he's a dope human, by the way, I changed my name to Alpha Mama. So that's the name. My dad is Indonesian. My mother is South African, European. So my mother's got Scottish blood, German blood, Dutch blood. The two of them met very romantically while they were working on a cruise ship. My mother was nursing. I think my dad was like a deckhand or something like that. And they fell in love. They had some party times. And then, you know, eventually they came to Australia. They had me. I grew up in suburbia in Sydney. You know, a big part of my identity for a very long time was like, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? You know, I think if you're what I call people like me are between worlds persons. I felt like my Indonesian community saw me as different. And then white Australia saw me as different. I was fetishized and exoticized by by both sides of me. You know, my mom would constantly tell me how beautiful I was and I could do modeling and I could do this. It actually like excited me, but also made me feel quite a lot of pressure to perform and to wear that beauty. And my dad was quite strict and controlling when I was growing up. We have a great relationship now, but at the time, you know, his cultural background was very strict and you have to be a particular way if you're a girl and you can't be loud and you can't be messy and you can't be outspoken. And so being caught between two very different cultures, two very different people, two very different set of values often left me feeling quite confused. That was the invitation for me to to search for something deeper, a deeper sense of belonging, a deeper sense of meaning, a deeper sense of understanding the world. I'm a very curious person. I love asking questions, even if they're difficult questions. So I had that as a child. You know, I would look out into life and see the trees and see the sky and watch people and watch relationships. And I would ask questions. And if no one had the answer, then I would I would ask directly to life itself. I would ask my my own internal world and I would source an answer. Yeah, I was a very artistic, naturally expressive, creative little girl.
When I was about seven or eight, my dad suddenly felt a strong calling to go to Bible college and to start a church. I don't know how that would have felt for my mom, but I can imagine that that was a shock to her and that she would have had to make a big decision about whether she was going to stay and persevere in her marriage or whether she was going to walk away. But kudos to mom, she stayed. So my dad has had this church now for about 30 years and it's an Indonesian congregation. And so I, over the next few years, learned to speak Indonesian fluently and I would often go to Indonesia. That informed so much of my identity. So it kind of sounds weird, but it's like I grew up in a country inside a country. So uh, I grew up in church, learned to play music. And what I learned about music is that music is a tool for transforming energy. That's what I learned playing music in church. I learned that we create an atmosphere that becomes like this fertile soil for people to plant their prayers in, for people to put their hopes and their dreams or for people to grieve and for the music to alchemize and to transmute the energy in the space and the emotions in the space. With music, we could lift the vibe of the congregation and take people into these ecstatic states, right, where they feel God, they feel the presence, they feel that oneness. Or we can take them deep into their pain and their brokenness and give them the opportunity to express and release for catharsis, right? And that has informed the way I create my music and and particularly the way I facilitate on stage. I don't see myself as an entertainer, although I may be entertaining. I see myself as, yeah, as a mystic. I see myself as a mystic. I see myself as a conductor of energies. I see myself as an alchemizer of human emotion. And to me... Regardless of whether it's a club or a festival or a church or a temple, when people are in the same space, when people are open, their hearts are open and they're in one, like in unison, if they're singing, you know, the same song all together or their intention is locked in, we feel the interconnectedness of all beings. We feel the interconnectedness of life. That's God to me. From when I was born, I was always in relationship with life, with source, with spirit, with truth, like whatever you want to fucking call it. I already had that and we all do innately simply because we are. We are here and we are part of life. So we are already connected to God, right? I was already a spiritual person. I was already a spiritual kid. I had that, but then I had to go and learn it through church and culture and my upbringing and my dad and my mom and school and all of that stuff. And actually... I became, when I was a teenager, I was one of those annoying Bible bashers who try to convert everyone. It was the worst. I mean, at the time, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was a fanatic. And since doing my deep dive healing work, for me, I had to go through the stage of disconnecting from the church, disconnecting from Jesus disconnecting from my community, from my culture, disconnecting from my family even. Like I didn't speak to my dad for years because 
in my story, he was my enemy. When I went deeper into my healing, I realized that phase one of healing is healing what's been done to me. And phase two is healing what I've done to others. You know, and there are more. (laughs) There are more phases of healing. But actually, in my experience, some of my most profound and transformational changes and shifts in my identity have come from me taking responsibility for what I have done to others. In healing my relationship with my dad and my mom and my family, it hasn't come from my dad giving me an apology. You know, it has never come from my dad, you know, doing any work, personal development or counseling. It's come from me doing my work and accepting that it was never my dad's job to love me conditionally, which means the way I wanted him to love me. My dad is a fucking human being doing his best the way that I am. And he did his job perfectly. He gave me every single experience I needed to be who I am today. And me taking responsibility for the ways that I hurt him, blamed him, made him wrong, um, rejected him. The amount of times I rejected my dad and rejected my mom's love, and that would have been heartbreaking for them, but I did that. And so I had to heal that, the pain that I caused. If we want to repair our relationships, then we have to own our side. And actually, that's all we can own. We cannot control or change somebody else. We can only change ourselves. Wow, I I sound like a fucking Gandhi quote right now. So my healing journey has really been about reclaiming all aspects of my story as uniquely mine. They made me who I am. And a few years ago, I started feeling this preacher mystic identity archetype coming through. And it was fucking terrifying because I felt like I was going to be judged. People are going to judge me when I start talking about God because I I had become, you know, one of those new age spiritual peeps who always say the universe, the universe has got your back. You know, the universe is constantly conspiring in your favor. Like I was one of those bitches. It was like universe, this universe, that. And now I've really switched my language up and just to unapologetically say, God, I am in relationship with God. I often spell it GXD so that there is space for me to redefine what God is by my own definition and by my own experience and you know I always say God is not something you believe in it's something you experience for yourself so it's been a lot of hard work for me and painful work to release all the conditioning and to release other people's definitions of what God is and you know through patriarchal religion I had a really unique journey in my spiritual awakening you know some people do ayahuasca and they suddenly have this insight Most of my spiritual awakenings happen through men and relationships. And, you know, that's the truth of it. I started dating in a very young age. I think the first relationship I ever had was like 12 years old, which in itself is very problematic because I was dating men who were a lot older than me. They were in their 20s and sometimes even 30s, which is fucked up, but that's for another episode. So I was dating Indonesian men trying to get validation that I was indeed a true Indonesian person. I spoke the language fluently and I was trying to immerse myself in the culture. And I dated this 
Indonesian man who was 10 years older than me, and he was the first musician that I ever met, a working professional musician. And he initiated me into a lot of life's experiences and mysteries. He was of a particular um, sect of Islam that was kind of Sufistic. I don't know if that's the right word. And it, it was a very more mystical, Sufi, Sufistic version of Islam. Uh, was It was an awakening. It was an awakening for me. And I learned that my previous understanding of God was fixed and it actually wasn't, it wasn't that it was wrong, it's just that it wasn't all of it. And in the six years that I dated this man and we were in a relationship and, he, you know, it, there were various dynamics, some of it was toxic, some of it was beautiful, like every relationship, but I came to the realization that I had to update my understanding of what God is. And he would always say, you know, God is not a person. God is an essence and God is the essence that is in everything. And that was like a fucking mind blown moment because I realized that I had been holding on to this version of God that was very, you know, Abrahamic, this old dude who looks like Santa Claus, who gets angry when you do the wrong thing and only loves you if you do the right thing. So opening up my mind to realize that God is everywhere. God is in everything. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. God knows. And how could God know everything? How could God be all powerful? How could God be everywhere and present all the time? The only way that that's possible is if God is in everything, right? Including me. So a big spiritual awakening happened for me when I met the father of my son, who was this Chinese-Malaysian tattoo artist, vagabond. You know, he left home at 12 years old and traveled all around Asia and lived in Nepal for a bit. And, you know, he doesn't read or write. And he's a very uh, non-conventional living person. And he really broke a lot of my paradigms about how a person has to live. He taught me that there are no fucking rules. It was like another mind-blown moment. And, you know, we weren't compatible in the end as lifelong partners, but we made a beautiful child. He's not the best dad. I just got to say that. I love him, but he's not the best dad. He doesn't contribute very much and he just, you know, he's living his life. But what I love about him is that he gives zero fucks about what people think about his decisions. He's like, this is my life and this is my choice and this is how I'm going to live it. And that might be really triggering, but it's also really freeing because I think deep down we all want to have that kind of freedom where we fully know that this life belongs to me and that we don't have to adhere to all the societal and cultural and religious rules that we've been brought up to never question, 
right? There's this rigidity in our psyches that we long to break free from. And that's why we do things like drugs. And we have these crazy experiences like, you know, jumping off high buildings and going bungee jumping or skydiving or whatever, because we want freedom. We're allowed to ask questions. We're allowed to We're allowed to explore the unexplored terrains of our world and that is like our internal world, our psyche and to see how deep we are, how vast we are, like how deep does this mind go? Like how deep do my feelings go? Like how much do I have within me? And of course, Naturally, you know, that happens externally as well. Like how much of this world can I see? Can I explore? What I'm interested in is having lived thoroughly and like pouring all of my essence, all of my juice, all of my spirit, all of my soul into every single day and every single moment of my life. Because when I when I die physically, when this body's done and I'm moving on to my next adventure, I want to know that I was really fucking appreciative of this time here in this mortal vessel. I want to know that this character that I created for myself was a fucking legend, was a fucking hero, that she lived all out, that she created an amazing story. Like, I want to live a story that people would be riveted to read. going to end this podcast with one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite people, Atlas Talisman. Go look him up. He's my best friend and such an inspiration to me. One of my favorite quotes by him is, may your life be the signature of your soul. And that, my loves, is a wrap for the very first episode of The Gloat, the greatest lover of all time. Thank you for being in this crazy roller coaster of a journey with me. And I hope that you received some magic, some juice, some transmission, some awakenings. I would love to know how this episode made you feel. So if you want to share with me, please head over to my socials, drop me a comment or a message or a DM, tell me what came up for you. And if you have any questions or any themes that you'd love me to riff on I would love for you to share that with me as well I have music out in the internet I have a whole world that I would love to welcome you into and if you want to work more closely with me you can find me at alphamama at godqueen.com or send me a dm on instagram I am here to live the gospel of self-love and liberation reclaiming the fullness of our own lives and living like we fucking mean it